0: This is Ag Bioscience. Welcome, and thanks for joining. I'm Mitch Frazier, President and CEO of Agronovus Indiana. This is the podcast where we explore all things ag bioscience, the people, the products, and innovations across food, animal health, plant science, and ag tech. The role of power, specifically electricity, in growing an economy has taken center stage of late as states and countries have faced disruptions, evolving demands, and even outages. Today's guest is a proven leader in growing economies and over the past eight years has become an expert on the role of power in fueling economic growth. Welcome, Brian Anderson, Director of Economic Development at Wabash Valley Power Alliance. Brian. Brian. Welcome to Ag Bioscience. Thank you, Mitch. Glad to be here. I am glad you're here as well. Brian, power has become such a critical ingredient for growth. Before we jump into all things power and the role of power in economic development, we got to hear more about your story. Your career in economic development, really, really impressive up north here in Indiana. Tell us more.
1: Sure. So, fresh out of school, started working for the city of Lansing, Michigan, working in their EDC, wound up with a very progressive and a aggressive mayor uh known for a little while as the angriest mayor in america (laughs) throughout the pandemic he was on cnn and all those places yelling about bailouts and things like that during the uh during the economic crisis i should say and um after five years of doing that working with a lot of small businesses i wanted to try a hand at at running the show myself so ran up to uh, mount pleasant michigan home of the central michigan university chippewas and uh Spent five years basically just working with a couple different counties, um, same deal, trying to attract business, grow business, retain business, and really got turned on to the workforce crisis that we've been in, I would say, about a dozen years now. Um, Started working really closely with different utilities in our area, Consumers Energy, DTE were the the two primary ones, and thought, man, they got a really sweet gig. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, they get to work with all these different EDCs. They get to be on, you know, in my view, the right side of the paycheck, of the of the checkbook. So they were the ones doing the donating rather than asking for the, the foundation money and things like that. And I um, thought, man, that would be really fun. So that's kind of what led me to start looking at different opportunities in the utility industry. And when I found Wabash Valley, you know, it was a rural focused type utility, which was a little bit new to me, but I came from such a rural area working with a lot of farms, a lot of farmers, a lot of ag tech, those types of things through the university. It felt like a really strong um, sort of pull to go into that direction. And, and honestly, it has felt like home for the last eight years that I've been here um, and
0: couldn't imagine being anywhere else. That's such a good story. Wallbash Valley, really a great partner for Agrinovus and a great partner for the ag bioscience economy, focused on rural utilities and I think if memory serves correct, even farmers on the board is that right?
1: Yeah so you know we are owned by rural electric cooperatives which I'm sure many of your audience audience is familiar with. But uh, you know the the 23 members of our board are appointed by those local REMCs, and essentially what happens is uh, they decide who gets to be on that board. And a lot of times, it is a member of their board who was elected by the membership of that organization. So the the end users or the you know the residents and and the businesses that are are taking electric service from that REMC has decided this is the person we want and then they put them on our board. And so, you know, we don't do like a a November board meeting very often because we've got a big chunk of our board out in the fields doing harvest and same thing in the spring when they're out in the fields planting. So it's a it's something that I think constantly brings us back to thinking about the uh, the farm, the, the ag user, um, the person at the end of the line is something we
0: talk about often. That's really good. Now, I want to get into electricity because we've seen states, we won't name any, but certainly the one furthest west in our country, mm-hmm. uh, in the continental United States, uh, it, we've seen real challenges on the electricity grid. We look back in time, we saw the real disruption in Texas not that long ago. Give us a sense of how the electricity grid works. I realize this is like a a doctorate thesis, but if you could give us sort of the abridged version of of how this grid works and what's the role of Wabash Valley?
1: Sure. So, you know, the, the thing that I think about is the fact that we have a grid, you know, and that grid is basically a giant pool of electrons that are buzzing around overhead on Power lines and coming into our homes, but also coming out of the uh, the power plants that that service. And frankly, you know we're in a a, a major transition right now. So you know that that unnamed state you might have mentioned, you know <laughs> they struggle because they have so much solar generation that when the sun goes down, it creates some some interesting disruptions. And where does that power come from? So you know, we're probably not to the point where batteries are the ultimate solution. So we're really in this transition, but Wabash Valley, you know, we started in 1963. Again, as I mentioned, those those REMCs came together and said, man, we could really get better buying power. We could get a lot more leverage in the market if we worked together rather than individually and kind of working against each other and acquiring all the power that we need. So that's, that's really what started Wabash Valley. And for decades, we worked to just basically buy energy either generating it ourselves or buying it off the market or doing bilateral contracts with other utilities. And now we're really in that that world of of transmission infrastructure too. So, you know, that's something that's coming into the the main focus of economic development. So there's a a, a rapid uptake of information on my end, but generally, you know, we're sending energy to the local REMCs and taking a, a broader role in that transmission infrastructure. So it's really pulling it from the grid into the home and being that interaction there and and what you know last thing i'll say is it's it's a unique industry in that regardless of where you go it's the same product so it's you turn on the the switch and the light turns on um we can't sit there and say you know our electrons are a little bit better than the guy down the road or anything like that so it's really about customer service some of it is cost um, it's about timeliness and how quickly you can get things up and running, but really about reliability. So when you talk about grids and things like that, the reliability is the the number one focus of our industry and, and our company, especially, and it's about how do you maintain systems that, that allow for that, that, um, you know, so we don't have blackouts or don't have brownouts or things like that, that happen from time to time, um, and making sure that there's enough energy on the grid
0: to serve all the users when they need it. Yeah, and I think if we broaden that out a bit, we look globally at the at the grid and the electricity infrastructure, you know, states of emergency by definition have been called in, in countries and in states and that predictability that you mentioned, right? We don't have blackouts. We don't have brownouts. You flip the switch and the lights turn on. It's a really big deal to companies. I mean, you and I have talked with a number of companies looking at Indiana, looking to grow in Indiana. Talk with us a bit about the role of predictability and availability of electricity as it comes to really fueling economic growth.
1: Well, I think when you're you're talking to an end user, a lot of times what they want to make sure is that you are round the clock reliable so you know when they need it it's going to be there and there's there's just the general is the power on but i think the other big part of that is when we really crank up when we're at mass production can you deliver 100 of what we're going to need and you know if you think about it more in like water terms it's the size of the pipe coming sure. into the facility so more and more we're getting pressure and as as these new call them new industries are coming online whether it be data centers or ev storage or even microchips and some of the, the microprocessors that we're starting to see kind of reshore back into the United States, they want an unprecedented scale of electricity. So just to meet the demands of those one users, I mean, you know, it, it's not ridiculous to say that one single user could be 50% of the size of our entire system of 330,000 users. It's it's frankly un, unprecedented. It's the only way I can really describe it. but. You know, with those users, you do have to think about your resources and how could they potentially impact everybody else. And I think that's where the industry is starting to take a, a bigger look at how much infrastructure is out there, how much transmission in particular, and then where are all the generation sources for this? So, you know, we hear th- new things about you know maybe keeping some of our coal and gas plants online longer, or looking at nuclear technology a, a, a little bit harder than we maybe have in the past while we also transition to more wind and solar resources. So keeping the lights on, like I said, it it continues to be the primary focus, but as we have more variables thrown into play that can maybe call that into question or cause new challenges to be solved, the industry is starting to react.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I was listening to something this morning on on the drive-in and this idea of a portfolio of energy has become really at the forefront of the discussion. It's not, wind is not the solution, solar is not the solution, nuclear is not the solution. Gas gasification is not the the only solution. It's it's all of those things in tandem.
1: Right, yeah. There's a there's a real intersection between sustainability and economics. So yes, you can go all in on renewables and things like that. Maybe be a little bit ahead of the curve. You know, dare I say, like kind of the bleeding edge. And there's going to be a cost impact to that. Um, and so, like I said, we have to think about those users at the end of the line. And if you are in a, a rural area where you know some people are on fixed incomes or, or there's con- some concerns about cost, you can't just continue to um, go in one direction and turn a blind eye to the right. economics of that. So maintaining a diverse and balanced portfolio has always been sort of core at our mission and, and how we choose to serve power. But at the same time, there's a risk factor there. So when you're Eggs aren't all in one basket, you know, that protects you from wild swings or things like that. So I think something that you're starting to see in Indiana just generally is as we start moving away from coal uh, and gas and those things, it's like there has been some, some pretty severe impacts with the cost of coal and the cost of gas over the last 18 months or so. And that's starting to show up in rates. So, so people are seeing rate increases, and that's obviously causing a, a conversation about well, how quickly can we deploy some of the, you know, in, in their mind, you know, cheaper sources of of solar and wind. Well, and then you think about well, we need a lot of infrastructure to move those things around. So, you know, the, the core of that is is it's a, a very difficult thing to try to just do one thing quickly. We're a, we're a fairly slow moving industry in terms of how quickly we can move from coal to wind and solar and hydro and all these different things. So the approach has just basically been, for us at least, to be very broad and and start moving towards, we have 2050 decarbonization goals like everyone else, but we have a path to get there. And it maybe for some isn't moving as quickly as as others, but in our mind, it's, it's a matter of also maintaining those economics so we can uh, provide you know, lower costs or at least more affordability to our membership.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think as we look broadly, I mean, you've been such a huge proponent of growth in ag bioscience, been a big proponent of our grow 2024 strategy here at Agrinovas focused on $4 billion of growth by 2024. Why is ag bioscience such an important area of focus, not just for you, but for Wabash Valley Power? I think, uh, you know, when, when you think about the kind of can't beat them, join them
1: idea. (laughs) So, so I'll take you back in 2015, when I first started with Wabash Valley, we were looking at our business attraction strategy and we have a really cool tool called Gazelle and we were looking at Gazelle and it's a great name. Yeah. And and I thought, man, (laughs) you know, ag tech is such a cool industry and it seems like there's so much synergy with Indiana being this ag community. And we've got these great universities and wouldn't it just make so much sense to try to attract ag tech to Indiana? And so we use this gazelle tool to basically find companies in San Francisco and Dallas and areas. And we'd call them up and we'd say, hey, we'd love to come visit you, maybe make a pitch. And they'd say, who are you? And then hang up. And I think it was a a couple of years ago that you and I crossed paths and, and you talked about going to San Francisco and talking to some of these companies. And I was like, man, how are you doing that? And, you know, you were able to bring a... Uh, a coalition of ag-focused education industry, you know, to to sit down with these companies and make maybe a better pitch than just the power company could make. And so that said, well, man, we need to put more resources into the people that are doing it rather than trying to do it ourselves. So you know, not that we would ever be in competition for this, but it was really this idea of you guys are doing the the real work, you guys are doing the the, the hard thing, and getting the audience with these companies that. You know, we wanted to be able to attract, too. So let's put our resources to supporting your efforts rather than go out and try to duplicate them.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that a ton, Brian. And and for those that that don't know, I mean, we have a board. Brian serves on our board at Agrinovus. We have a board of 30 leaders from across, really across the ag bioscience economy. And your point is spot on. We are so much stronger as a group whether it's big co, small co, utility, governmental entity, all of us working together are really driving some meaningful outcome. Time for maybe two more questions. You talked a little bit about decarbonization earlier this this green portfolio. How do you how do you move towards decarbonization while you're really thinking about that those two key ingredients? Reliability and availability. Sure. So, I think one of the things is to look at what you already have in your
1: your nest egg of different resources. So as things start maybe coming to their end of life, how do you replace those? So if you have a coal plant that let's say it's set to retire in 2025, 2026, do you replace that with another coal plant or do you maybe look at other resources, whether that be wind, solar, hydro, what, what have you? And I think when you look at how do we provide base load power? So typically that's been seen as nuclear gas and, and coal. What opportunities are out there? Maybe it's batteries, maybe it's other things. Well, you know, batteries are still pretty expensive. So could you look at maybe 15 years from now and say, well, these things might be more affordable or the the technology may be more refined. So like I said, it's a, it's a long term play. If we tried to turn the switch overnight, the cost would be you know, crippling to a lot of our membership. And so I think it's really about taking that very balanced approach and being smart about it. So we've done all kinds of analysis, continue to do analysis. It's working with the independent system operator, MISO in, in our neck of the woods, um, to make sure that, you know, that the transmission infrastructure is where it needs to be. So we're moving the electrons around properly. So there's a, a lot of people much smarter than me that are, are working on this 24 seven. And frankly, I think the, the plan to get there um, is very sound but again it's it's about somewhat economics it's somewhat ecological to try to make sure that we're moving in that direction without doing something that would potentially harm businesses and individuals at the end of the day
0: yeah it makes a lot of sense okay final question rapid fire what's next for your team at Wabash Valley
1: I think we're going to continue trying to evolve you know and I think that as we look at kind of what we've been talking about ecology, uh, thinking more about sustainability, putting some of those things into place. but I think as a company, you know we're growing. So you know I'll put this plug out there that you know we're hiring. Uh, we have a, a lot of positions of need. Um, but I think we've really tried to scale up in areas. So as I mentioned, infrastructure. I think as we're looking at this energy transition and some of the impacts that that's going to cause, um, we need to, to maybe make not big shifts, but subtle shifts in in the way we do business and how we we ramp up um, certain areas of our business. So you know, engineering, transmission, those are areas that we're we're always looking for people. And as we get through this this energy transition, where you know, I'll use that example of of you're replacing a coal plant that's maybe a thousand megawatts well to to take a thousand megawatts out of the system and replace it with another thousand megawatts say of solar you can't do it at a single you know, 50 acre site. You've gotta spread that out over hundreds, if not thousands of acres. And you know, not everybody wants that. So you have to be very selective about where you're, where you're putting those resources and who you're working with to, to get those resources. So it creates a lot of problems when it comes to how do we move this energy around the same way. So again, it maintains that reliability and we need really good, sharp people to, to figure those problems out. Um, and I think that's that's probably what's coming next for us, is uh, to start ramping up in those areas and, and be aggressive as we we work through this transition.
0: Fantastic. Uh, where can they find if somebody wants to apply? You made the pitch. Yeah. Go ahead and finish it out. Uh,
1: WVPA.com is probably the best best place to start. So that's um, our relatively new website. But we have a whole section dedicated to careers. Are we going to be a good fit for you? Um, you know, we, we are very proud of our culture. And I think the idea that um, people can just come to our website, see what type of jobs we have, but also get a little flair for what it's like to live and work with us. Um, you know, is probably the best place to start. So
0: I love it. WVPA.com. He is Brian Anderson, Director of Economic Development at Wabash Valley Power Alliance. Brian, really good to have you with us. Thanks so much. Thank you, Mitch. And thank you for tuning in to Ag Bioscience. You can get the latest Ag Bioscience news and insights from discussions just like this by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. And while there, you can access our entire library of archived episodes. And you can always learn more at our site online at agronovusindiana.com. On behalf of the entire Agrinovus team, I'm Mitch Frazier saying thanks for listening. We look forward to seeing you real soon.
1: This podcast is a product of Agrinovus Indiana in collaboration with Inside Indiana Business. Hosted by Mitch Frazier. Panel episodes by Gary Dick. Produced by Kayla Chittister and Fabian Rodriguez. Photography by Kaylee Kerr. To get all ag bioscience news all the time, visit agrinovusindiana.com.